Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Saturday, June 24th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. We've got a two-parter for you guys today. Uh, part one, we got uh, the college basketball show. Uh, one day behind this week, but uh, just with the way the schedule worked this week, we had to kind of uh, take a step back for a second on this one and hold it for uh, this Saturday. But uh, great, great show, uh, as always, with fellow University of Tennessee alumni, Will Warren, statsbywill.substack.com. Go check out his great college basketball coverage each and every day over there. Uh, we talked about uh, Dylan Mitchell uh, returning to Texas. Why Wake Forest is maybe the most interesting team in the ACC next year. Uh, Andy Kennedy not taking the West Virginia job. Um, why Ben McCallum would probably be the most interesting uh, person to take the job. So we talked about that at WVU. Bama uh, with Stevenson entering the fold. Uh, which top 10, top 25 team will not be uh, in the top 25 this time next year in March. Um, so we'll see uh, who folks like now that eh, probably won't be the case. They probably won't be able to live up to those expectations uh, in March. And then a deep dive into San Diego State in their uh, national championship appearance run. So fun college basketball show, as always, with Will Warren. Go check him out. That's why Will. Substack.com. As always, you can watch this very show, folks. YouTube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff um, as we continue growing that thing well over a thousand subs. So uh, make sure if you're locked in on the YouTube page if you are not already. And if you are an Apple Pod or Spotify listener, you leave the show a five star rating and a review uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps other people find the show and it helps this very show continue to grow each and every day as always you can get in touch with the show on twitter twitter.com slash pod chase thomas facebook.com slash chase thomas writer and then of course you can email us at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com all right uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it 
All right, hello. Welcome back. Chase Thomas Podcast. Taping this on a Thursday evening. Will Warren over there in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Fellow University of Tennessee alumni, Will Warren. Will, good evening, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, uh, I'm avoiding making light of um, tragedies to some. Um, you know, underwater problems for that some may be experiencing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm avoiding uh, talking about big Blink-182 fans who have gone to concerts despite underwater events. Um, so I, I, uh, I will be abstaining from all discussion of, um, quote, submarines. So mm-hmm. if well, <laughs> it's funny, I was talking to my father-in-law about it for like 40 minutes earlier today. It it's so fa- it's one of those weird like there aren't many things anymore that just wrap up an entire culture in mm-hmm. one particular subject but i think honestly the majority of americans had a conversation with someone about the sub today like yes. someone's talking about it with somebody everywhere today yeah it, it, it's probably one of the most unifying events in right modern cultural history it's just so weird what brings us together just we're so fascinated by what happened to this sub and how it happened where it went and it also just goes to and not to go full uh joe rogan here uh will warren because you never <laughs> want to do that but in terms of do i always wonder about what's really below the sea and then you hear about the the banging what was the banging sound they heard if it was not the the submarine and like there are just so many animals and creatures way down below that we have no idea exist like i just i'm so fascinated i'll never go down like i'm not that fascinated no. i'm never doing that but like i want to know what else is out there because the the giant squids were myths for a long time we didn't know that that was real like there was i mean that was a legitimate myth like and obviously there are giant squids so there's stuff down there that we just have no idea we have some like gigantic dinosaur just roaming the 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 floor the same floor and we have yeah. no idea well even stuff on the top level i mean mm. first off the ocean public po- or public uh, bathroom for many <laughs> not my thing don't want to be in it um but i mean you go up to the coast and you see like a ray or something and it's like mm-hmm. steve Irwin died with one of those i don't want one of those near me like it's cool to look at but i can look at it at the aquarium Ooh. Okay, so you're not getting in the ocean. You're not touching any of the creatures. You're yeah, out. Pool, pools are good. I like pools because uh, they are sanitized generally. Um, Do you know what a game changer pool is? I think we talked about it. Did I think we, we did at one point? Because I'm a, like not to brag, but I swim, and <laughs> saltwater pools are just yeah. a warm saltwater pool. If I ever become like hashtag uh, or not even hashtag capital L loaded financially in my life, will. Like I'm paying whatever amount of money it takes to put a saltwater warm a warm saltwater pool in my backyard. I would do that all the time. It would get so much use out of me. Like I would. It's a game changer. It's a game. Why are why is every pool not saltwater and warm? That's all we want as a country. We used to be a proper society. Will <laughs> we used to have submarines that functioned? Mm-hmm. We used to have coaches that drove normally. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of good things used to happen here. Yeah. Right. Like we 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 just ten oh. years ago. I'm kidding. uh that's my kind of candidate though in present like i want someone to stump for every pool should be salt water and warm uh that's my particular candidate that's uh that's what i want that's my priority number one uh Mm -hmm. we're outlawing uh big spiders and we are you're not allowed to go like more than five feet below the surface of the ocean (laughs) there you go i don't know what's down there 
Would you rather be attacked by a large spider or a large snake? Well, I feel like the spider's probably more survivable, right? Mm. Theoretically. Yeah. Like the snake, I think snakes are more venomous in general. Obviously neither. I think I'm you're probably, you know, seeing your life flash before your eyes. Mm. But um yeah, I think you have to take the spider, unfortunately. Okay. There you go. Ron Weasley over here. Um Will Warren. Dylan Mitchell returns to Texas. Rodney Terry's bunch will be his first full year uh, coaching uh, the Longhorns, taking over for Chris Beer in the middle of this past year. What does Mitchell's return for the Horns mean going into next year? Well, I think it's good and smart for him to come back because uh, he was leaning towards staying in for a bit, and it was uh, obviously not a guarantee he'd be a first-round pick. Mm. And, you know, we've made some mention on this pod of, Next year's class generally regarded to be one of the worst classes in 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to be easier for him to get drafted higher because of that. And uh, you got to take a significant leap forward offensively for me if you're Dylan Mitchell. Uh, just didn't really pop off the page much at all as an, as an offensive player last year. And, you know, some of that was not his fault. You know, he started every game, but when you have, you know, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen, Serge Apari, uh, Dylan Daisu, all on the same roster, and Tyrese Hunter, lest we forget. Mm. Uh, shots are going to be hard to come by. And so he was efficient, but he's not a shooter, so it was mostly a dunks threat. And kind of was just like a, a very limited role player, mm. uh, which was honestly a little disappointing to see because I expected more out of him. Um, but you, you say all that, and you can see why Rick Barnes wanted him so badly, because mm. he is a great defensive player, like a yeah. really good rim protector, even at 6'7", uh, and going to be a really important piece on a Texas team that is more interesting than affirming. Uh, so you have Mitchell. You mm. have a pair of guys I really like defensively in uh, Virginia transfer Shedrick and uh, Tyrese Hunter. Mm. And you have two guys I really like offensively, Max Asmus and uh, Dylan Disu. Mm. There's no two-way player on that roster at the moment, which is um, sort of a problem when you play in the best conference in the world. Mm. So uh, I need, I, I think if I'm like an NBA scout, which thank God I'm not, because it feels like a lot is on your shoulders every single second of every day. Mm-hmm. Really need Mitchell to take a significant leap forward, not just in usage. Uh, he had a 12% usage last year. That for uh, comparison's sake, not only was that the lowest of anybody that played on Texas last year, that's lower than Brock Cunningham, uh, which is like Brock Cunningham is exclusively just out there to kind of get cardio and rebound. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's got to take more shots. I at least want to see him, you know, get a few off per game. Like last year, he barely got over three off the night. Mm-hmm. That's not nearly enough. Uh, and of course, awful free throw shooter, 40% on the season last year. Got to see a serious leap forward offensively, kind of sustain that same level of quality, switchable defense. And I, I'm really curious to see how he pairs with Cedric, who's more of a traditional center type. Um, you, tr- in theory, shouldn't be able to play two of those guys together. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, two centers, and I understand, like... Um, you know, Mitchell is not really a true center. He's a six foot eight guy who got shoved into the center role, but he can't shoot. We saw mm-hmm. that last year. He didn't attempt a single three. He barely attempted a jumper. Awful free throw shooter. You're kind of reworking that from scratch there. Uh, Shedrick is a career one for seven from three. Mm-hmm. So in the modern day basketball, it's hard to picture both of those two, plus Dylan DeSue, 
who, you know, can shoot, but it's not his first thing he wants to do. He only attempted 32 threes last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what Rodney Terry is going to do to play all three together if he can at all. It seems like you're probably making, you know, making good by playing two of the three at any given time. Plus, uh, I mean, like Brock Cunningham or Chendall Weaver, like one of the transfers. Um, I don't really love Tyrese Hunter as a lead initiator because he's very inefficient. And I am still unconvinced of Max Asmus athletically. So, I mean, obviously he can shoot. Like, I think everybody knows that. But when he's played against top-end competition, such as the Duke game last year, the results have not exactly been the most exciting thing in the world. Um, so they really need Mitchell to take that step forward for them to uh, not only be a top 25 team, but achieve what they could. Uh, because they have, like, one of the 10 to 15 best pure talent rosters. So we'll see if they can take that step forward. Well, it's fascinating too because we're. I wonder how much changes right um, with Roddy Terry and what his scheme and what he's looking for versus what Chris Beard was trying to do. We see like he gets to put more of his imprint on this team this summer, but it's also they finished in Kim Palm last year. They were uh, top five, um, around fifteenth on offense, thirteenth uh, on defense. So they are pretty stable, pretty consistent, and pretty even across the board. But I went over to our old friend Bart Torvik and was looking at just where things are. And folks, you're not going to believe this. Tennessee still projected to have the best defense in college basketball next year. Death, taxes, Tennessee defense uh, in the numbers. Um, but you look at Texas, they're right there. And they look like they should be better than they were last year. And last year's team, I think, by all accounts, is a top 10 team. And the thing about it is the Big 12 is just so loaded. And I don't know where they fall in that. They, I, I just Texas is going to be extremely fascinating for a multitude of reasons. You can make the case of the most fascinating team in the Big Twelve next year, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, I would exclude West Virginia from this for now because I. And that's we'll get to West Virginia, yeah. But yeah, I think non-West Virginia division, they have to be the most fascinating group uh, put together. I mean, like obviously, there's going to be a lot of intrigue now. Houston handles what's. An obvious step up in competition, mm. but I think you know they already kind of played a very Big Twelve style of basketball before, so I'm not totally uh, worried about them. Take, and they obviously have the talent to handle it, so I'm not totally worried about them taking the step up. Texas's offseason was interesting because yeah, you get Mitchell back, but the transfers that aside from Shedrick that uh, Rodney added are largely pretty unproven. So you mm. have. A freshman transferring over from UT Arlington and Weaver, which mm. fine, you know, nothing. He was all right there. Nothing too much to worry about. Uh, not a transfer, but a freshman who barely played at all last year in uh, Alex A, whose last name I'm not going to struggle with. Mm. Uh, you don't really know what you're going to get there. You have, you know, freshman Preston Clark, you don't know is going to play much. And uh, Zarik Anyima, who is a transfer from UTEP, who only really got playing time last season. So, I mean, day one, you have like six guys who you're sure can play, like at a Big 12 level, and everyone else is a big question mark. So, I mean, I I think like those top six are all really freaking good. Like even Brock Cunningham, who's not like elite or anything, but does his role. He gets the job done. But you can't survive the whole year playing just six. Like you're going to need a seventh and eighth to step up eventually. And we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm I'm bullish on Texas going into next year, but we'll see ultimately where they fall. Um, 
ACC team that struggled last year that you like their roster and scheme and direction more in 2023-2024? Well, Warren, who is uh, it? None of them. I don't like this conference at all. It's a bad conference. And I want people to stop uh, acting like it's good because their teams keep getting hot in March. You got to give somebody, Will. Uh, Wake Forest would be my pick here. Okay. Um, Granted, Steve Forbes does not take the West Virginia job as of this recording. That seems very unlikely. He doesn't see. I haven't heard him mentioned as a candidate at all. So. I've seen him pop up in a couple different uh, candidate. That that just doesn't seem like his thing, really. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I don't know him. He is like a great like one year assassin type of deal. So I could see that. But no, I I'm in on Wake Forest making next year's NCAA tournament, which is about as much as I can muster for ACC team I didn't like that I do now. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know when I look at their roster, like they've got some really intriguing pieces that could work really well together. Uh, Damari Monsanto returns Cameron Hildreth. So those are two guys you should know. And obviously we'll know from night one, but their transfer work was really intriguing to me. Hmm. So Hunter Salas from Gonzaga, they got two from Gonzaga. This is the first, um, Salas was quite good when he actually touched the court at Gonzaga, but he didn't really touch the court much because he uh, was, we'll say, not very good defensively. Mm. Uh, And he, you know, to be fair to Mark Few, only shot 25% from three. But he was a guard who could score inside and out, you know, and I just have to believe that if he was good enough for Gonzaga and he's a former borderline five-star recruit, he has to pop off eventually somewhere. Mm. Like that talent doesn't just waste away and steve is you know obviously quite a good coach so to go with that you have efton reed former formerly of lsu now formerly of gonzaga did not play at all down the stretch last season uh was a disaster offensively and i mean through two years has yet to really leave a positive impression at all i thought it was like fine as a rim protector at times at lsu though he had some and continued to at gonzaga have some serious foul issues if there's any way at all he can pull back from that in a role where he doesn't have to score, in a role where he can just like be a lobs guy and rebound and block shots, he's playable. And again, former borderline five-star recruit, and I think five-star by several services, that's got to pop up eventually. And so hmm. if one of those two plays the way they should have out of high school, just one, and even if you don't get anything from the other, that's a win. Like you're getting five-star level production at what basically ends up being a three-star cost. Mm. And so pair that with a guy that I really liked at Marist named uh, Jao Ituka. Mm. Uh, 15 points per game in his one year there, 41% from three. Has actual like high major-ish athleticism, which is unusual for a transfer guard uh, from that type of league. Uh, he finished third in the MAAC in scoring, and he played 22 minutes a night. So hmm. there's something there. Yeah. I mean, put all that together, and I do think that's an NCAA tournament roster. Hmm. Uh, now, I liked Wake's roster last year, and they did not make the tournament. So, you know, your mileage may vary here. But Steve is a really good coach. This is an experienced roster. They're scoring here. If they can get any amount of defense to go with it, I think they're going to make some serious noise in the uh, ACC and... I don't know. They've got enough to make this work, and I want to see it work. What would you guess their Bart Torvik projected record is for next year? I know right now it's not very good because he's got him 63rd. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
I'm gonna, but in the ACC, that could be good enough for fourth best. So uh, I don't know, like eleven and nine in the ACC. Ten and ten. Okay. Yeah. Feels eighteen about and right. thirteen overall. But the thing it's a bubble is, team. Like, somebody has to win games in this <laughs> conference. Mm-hmm. Like obviously Duke will. I feel more strongly that UNC is going to this year than I did last year. Uh, but there is no second class. It's like you got probably you got class one, which is uh, let me rephrase this. You got class one, which is Duke. You got class two of like very good, probably not great, which is UNC. You don't have a third class of good teams, and then you've got class four of like somebody has to win these games. Mm. So you got like Wake, you got Miami, obviously. Even though I'm a lot lower on them than the average media member seems to be, uh, you have Clemson, you have Virginia Tech, you've got UVA. Somebody out not of mentioning group, Notre Dame. Uh, this is a rebuilding year. Okay. NC State too. I keep forgetting about NC State's yeah. existence. Um, one of those teams is legally required to win like 13 games in the conference, if not 14 plus. Mm. Somebody is going to pop off. And so why not Wake? Why not Wake? There you go. Um, Will, most interesting name for the next head coach of West Virginia to you would be who? Who would you well, like to see get this job? He's already turned it down, so mm. that kind of ruins my pick here. But, uh, well, he turned it down on Twitter. Let me par- paraphrase. Uh, brother Andy Kennedy. I yeah. really wanted him to take this job. Uh, no offense to those UAB, obviously. But it would have been interesting if, number one, he had taken over after Bob left for a second time because he took over at Cincy. That's why I feel like him saying no. I feel like two things would be true. He probably would have taken this job in a different context. But because yeah. of the context of why this job is open, my gut tells me it would be kind of awkward and not something he wants to do. Yeah, but they it would have been amazing for him to take over and to, if he could have sustained what Huggins had built pre-resignation, uh, uh, that would have been a top 20 team with what I genuinely believe is a really good basketball coach at the helm and one that's like still really hungry for success. And for a second chance at the big time. So I, I would have loved to see that. I I think the second most intriguing guy and the most intriguing guy on the board now is the interim, whoever that may be. Because you're kind of at a point where it's... So it's June 22nd, June 23rd mm-hmm. when this comes out. And obviously by the time this gets posted, they might, you know, like fart out a coaching hire. <laughs> you never know in college basketball. Whoever the interim is going to be, whether it's like Ron Everhart or, you know, like... Uh, I don't know, Jeff Goodman, somebody. Somebody is going to have to coach this basketball team come November. Mm. And if that person keeps the roster together, that immediately becomes the most like league pass team of the entire season. Because hmm. we really don't have many examples in modern basketball history of a team exiting a season, absolutely loading the roster up, and then entering that next season with a completely different coach, but the same roster. Mm-hmm. That does not happen. And the the only time that is immediately coming to mind, and you interject if you can think of one, is when Patino got fired by Louisville. Mm. But that was not going to be a great Louisville team. I think, if I'm recalling correctly, they're like borderline top 25. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a little different than a West Virginia team that's going in as like probably preseason top 15-ish. I don't think they're going to go interim. If they were going to go interim, they would have already done it, in my opinion. No, I, I think I agree. And I actually am wrong here. Louisville was preseason 16th. Hmm. 
So maybe so this pretty is close, more maybe. like that. So, and uh, unfortunately for Louisville, they missed that tournament. So maybe West Virginia fans don't. Want well, it's also, run. you saw the waiver, right? Where if your coach is fired, like you get a, th- like you can enter the portal again and you yeah. can jump in. You have 30 days after the coach is fired or something like something about 30 days. So there's a wait and see approach here where you have to be so careful with what you do in this next coach situation, because you could lose all those guys you talked about. They can jump right back out. And then what do you have left? And then what does West Virginia look like next year? Yeah. Like, this is wild. And and we're at a point now where, so Andy turned him down. It, it, there's a rumor for a good bit, uh, produced by our fave, Trilly Donovan, Mm. that Gerard, I don't know if it's Jared or Gerard, I don't care, Calhoun, uh, who's at Youngstown State, was going to be the next guy. And that seems to have faded. Pat Kelsey's been in the mix. Do you know who that betting favorite is now? Who? Do you know who the betting favorite is? Uh, is it John Beeline? It is not John Beeline. That dude is like, I don't know why his name keeps popping up. That man is like... I think it's like, laziness. I think it's just like, right? well, we can't think of anybody else and we, are, we don't have to do Photoshop. So I think maybe if college basketball was similar in structure, but like, can you imagine trying to get some of these older coaches who are now just like front office advisors to jump back into NIL and the portal and everything else? John Beeline's not doing that. That man no. is not jumping back, even if it's for a year. No. And it's not like it's the same system. It's not like... That's like the same kind of guys, like Bob Huggins style to John Beeline for a year. That doesn't make any sense either. I, I never understood why his name popped up. But do you want me to tell you who it is? Uh, who? Ben McCollum. Now, that would be an amazing experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, free pimping out of my own work here. I read about mm-hmm. Northwestern, or sorry, Northwest Missouri State mm-hmm. back in like 2018, 2019, a bunch when they went undefeated, kept up with them over the years. So if you don't know who Ben McCollum is, he's the coach of that team. They have yep. won four of the last six Division II uh, basketball titles. which He's is, 365 and 86. It's an 80% yeah. win percentage. Insanely good. So at one on one end, you can look at this and say it is objectively insane to hire a D2 coach <laughs> who has never, and I've talked to Ben, never had to recruit a ton outside of like the Kansas City, Omaha, Fargo, general metro areas mm-hmm. import him into West Virginia where he's never been before unless he've, unless he's like had a non-conference game or something. Mm-hmm. On one hand, you've got that. On the other, you have Lance Leopold who basically had to do the same thing, though obviously he stopped at Buffalo first. Mm-hmm. But you were running the same risk of... We're going to hire a guy straight from D3, where you don't have scholarships, by the way, mm. uh, into Buffalo, a place where he's never coached, never recruited, as far as I can remember. And it worked out really well. And mm. now he's at Kansas, and that's working out really well. It turns out that a guy who wins a ton of games with the right mindset can work just about anywhere. And Ben is just as innovative as Lance Leopold is. So I think it could work either way. And this You're is excited about, the, about this. I can see it. You're beaming. You would love well, I, him to get this It's just interesting, job. right? It's just interesting. We don't get this experiment anymore. We get like Duke assistant of the month or, you know, like hot mid-major who flamed out as a 12 seat, Pat Kelsey. Mm. Um, or like, God forbid, they could have like tried to throw the Brinks truck at Brian Dutcher or something. So this is like if they actually go this route and i don't really have any faith they do i think it's going to be the interim or it's going to be like a name we don't know about yet here are the um, five do you want the five who are all significant so ben mccollum is significantly the betting favorite here okay and then the next where, four where are is all, this at uh bookies.com okay so this is not the site that's holding a, a special olympics odds no 
thank god all right so this is a good one um gerard calhoun okay yeah Pat kelsey sense. ron everhart and josh eilert i think those two are assistants they would be okay quote interim hires so those four are all connected and then Ben McCollum is the, the betting favorite. Well, Ben McCollum's connected because West Virginia's AD was also, he was AD at Northwest Missouri State for a while. Oh, so there we go. This this might actually happen. I, I think it could, but the fact that like, so if you look at their site right now and our man Curry Hicks Sage on Twitter, mm. also a great search season guy, uh, his, high, his best odds he gives anybody are plus 450. Mm. Nobody really has better than like a 20% chance of getting the role right now. So mm. it it really could be anyone. Yeah. And, you know, lower on this list and kind of feel like he's going to end up rising. Uh, I would not be shocked to see Chris Mack get this job. He's out of work. He knows the area really well. I do not think he's as bad as he showed he was at Louisville. I agree. Uh, Todd Kowalczyk from Toledo. Mm. That's another guy who knows like that territory unusually well. And has won a lot of games. So I, I don't think this is anywhere close to done yet. So, But no matter who they pick, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Pick Ben McCollum. That'd be the most yeah, interesting. Th- that's the experiment I want. Yeah. Selfishly, we want it. We want it for the experimentation here. Um, Jaron Stevenson, is he a big get for Alabama? And in your estimation, when you're looking at next year's Alabama team, do you think they'll be as good as last year? And uh, are you as optimistic in Stevenson as a good fit for what uh, Nate Oates tries to do with his guys each and every year? Uh, he's big if he plays. Uh, I'm not sure that he's going to play much because he's so he's like a top 25-ish recruit. Mm. Um, probably more of a next year piece. Though obviously, mm. if you can classify up, it's good given how bad we've mentioned over and over next draft is likely to be. Mm-hmm. Quite a quite a good player. They needed some front court help. Um, I don't think he like meaningfully changes the equation for Alabama all that much. Uh, they kind of still have like a top 15 roster to me no matter what. Not one of the 10 best, but one of the 15 best. Now, Oates is so good that it could not. I mean, they might be top five again. Bart Harvick's um, kind of, eh, they'll be okay. Like they have Auburn better, Tennessee better. But they, uh, the Torvik and analytics sites were kind of eh on them last year. Yeah. And I think it was just because... Brandon Miller caught everybody by surprise. Hmm. The odds of like, you know, flipping your coin with your five star and getting Brandon Miller heads up twice is not that high. Yeah. Um, so I would be quite shocked if that happened again. Hmm. I mean, like we were, you know, one season removed from five star JD Davison not working out whatsoever. Hmm. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see on that regard, but I think they're going to be good. The more interesting thing than Stevenson is the assistants. So Alabama hmm. lost all three to different head coaching jobs, like in the big one being Brian Hodgson to Arkansas State. Uh, if you recognized a recruit on Alabama's roster the last three seasons, uh, Brian Hodgson was responsible for that. Mm. Not that like not that Oates is like a you know like has the dead fish handshake or whatever. Mm. Uh, I always think of the uh, of Hank Hill shaking George Bush's hand. It's not like that. Uh, but Hodgson is just like. I don't know. It's like Bo Jackson in the Tech Mobile level mm-hmm. recruiter. He is unbelievably good at closing a deal. And to lose that is going to be really interesting because they replaced all three, but I don't know how all three are going to impact Oates on the court because his assistants handled a lot of the defensive work last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Oates' offense is Oates' offense. That's always going to be the same with a few tweaks here and there. 
But defensively, I don't know if they're going to be quite as good as they were last year when they had, you know, an all-time six foot nine switchable freak uh, <laughs> that they could just roll out on the floor and stop everybody, along with elite rim protection. So uh, I think that's going to take a real big step back this year, and I don't think analytics sites are covering it like quite the way they should. Though I expect they're going to be awesome offensively as usual. Yeah. SEC is going to be pretty fascinating at the top. I I just, I, I'm so cautiously optimistic. Where I'm like, Tennessee should be the best team in the SEC next year. Like, okay. I think, I, I just feel weird. I don't want to put those expectations out there, but I'm like, also, next year went horribly wrong if Tennessee's not one of the two best teams in the conference next year. Yeah, and it, it's shaping up to be a really intriguing deal where, like, yeah, the Big 12's going to be number one again. Like, yeah. I think we are all aware of that. But it's going to be a really good three-team race, or not team, three-conference race for a second, where they're all going to be basically equal hmm. between Big Ten, Big East, SEC. Like, uh, you know, on average, all three of those conferences are going to have a lot of really strong top-end teams. Even like, at the bottom end, like, Ole Miss should be a lot better next year. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't think they're going to be a pushover. Like, I just look at the SEC. Like, Mizzou, I would probably yeah. sell a lot of stock. I think they'd take a step back. Um, yeah, they should try playing one defensive possession next season. I can't even joke, though, because they beat Tennessee in, like, just in really horrific fashion and multiple instances that I just, <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't really make fun of Mizzou basketball right now. No, they're they're obviously good. It's just, like, uh, I am diametric, diametrically opposed to what they call defense. I do not <laughs> like it. Um, preseason team will Warren least likely to be there in the top five. So uh, let me rephrase that top five preseason team least likely to be there come March in the latest way too early top 25 mints college basketball games. Jeff Brazil does a good job for ESPN. He has Kansas Duke Purdue Michigan State and UConn Tennessee just out for the folks counting at home at number six who have the because all five will not be in the top five this in come March next year. Who would you guess is most likely not going to be a top five team by by the end of the year. So I initially read this as a top 10 team because mm. so 14 of the last 15 years, at least one preseason AP top 10 team has finished outside of the top 25. Well, let's do that. Who do you think it is? We'll, we'll rephrase it. Well, I'll do both. But okay. uh, for top 10, I think the obvious best bet is FAU. Mm. I mean, I still like them quite a bit. I think they're you know one of the 20 to 25 best teams yeah. Uh, but, you know, I did a study on my blog a while back about what has history told us about teams that return a lot of talent and, like, had a really good run or finished strongly the year before. Mm. Well, the teams who had a lot of, like, you know, high-end recruiting talent returning, aka not mid-major athletes, either, like, sustained it or got a little better. Mm. The teams who didn't, who returned those same mid-major athletes, almost universally got worse. And it was through no fault of their own. It was just either you didn't have the same like chemistry work. Uh, it didn't work the exact same as it did the year before, or you were a little less lucky. Because I mean, frankly, you know, if you go thirty-five and three, at least a little luck is involved somewhere along the line. And they went eleven and two in games cited by six or less, um, or you know, just like something was off. I think of Wichita State a lot. The, uh, the year before where they had lost to Kentucky by two in the round of 32 as a 10 seed, returned everybody, preseason top 10 team, got rocked by a 13 seed in the round of 64. That's kind of what you're looking at. And like if they lose that first game to Memphis, 
who's got them in their top 25 right now? Hmm. I mean, I mean, like a few smarter pundits who recognize March is not that big of a chunk of the season might, but I don't think many more would. So FA is the team I'd look to fade out of that top 10. Top five, oh, if I had to pick one, I don't like this, but I would pick Michigan State to fall out of, we'll, we'll say like out of the top 15 by year's end. Hmm. Maybe that's a little too conservative, but that's as far as I'm willing to go because I still think they're good. Um, just tell me who's like the the lead scorer on a Final Four team here. Which one of these players is actually good enough to be like a Final Four level lead scorer? Is it Tyson Walker? Because I don't think I'm convinced by that. I know it's not A.J. Hogard. Mm. Uh, Xavier Booker, the freshman... I would like to feel a little more confident in that, but I mean, I've got a lot of uh, I've got a lot of eye tests and gut feels and historic data on uh, Tom Izzo and freshmen and how that works out generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert: He doesn't seem to favor them come March. Mm-hmm. Uh, please refer back to Defensive Player of the Year, Jaron Jackson Junior. or Jaron Jackson the Third getting benched for a random white guy against Syracuse <laughs> in a round of thirty-two loss. Um, mm-hmm. Don't think it's going to be Jaden Akins. Don't think it's going to be Malik Hall. So one of those guys eventually is going to have to score like a lot of points in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight because that's how it works every year. Mm. Guard play matters. I mean, like, I like them, and I think they're going to be good all around. But I I can see the scenario where, like, the offense just isn't good enough. They've kind of taken a step back defensively over the last five, six years. I could see it coming out where they're just like the 17th best team. Hmm. And that's like a mild disappointment compared to what they thought they could be. I like it. Will Warren, final question as we wrap up here on a Thursday evening. San Diego State, the team that everyone will forget was in the national championship game um, (laughs) this past year. Uh, San Diego State, great story, great run. What about their uh, season last year makes you think it's sustainable? Do you think they're going to be back as one of the best teams in college basketball again next year? Reasons for optimism? What do they do well? What what works for San Diego State and why did it work so well last year? Now, not I will never forget because I was there for That's the buzzer beater. That was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And that wasn't a shot, by the way. That's just, I know that's going to be a trivia thing where it's like, who played UConn in the 2023 National Championship? Everyone's going to be like, who did UConn beat in the National Championship game? Yeah, Yeah, people are going to forget that game happened. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I wouldn't say it's the exact same as when Butler lost to UConn, but it kind of feels like that. Yeah. But but either way, like, you know, some of this is luck, obviously. Mm. Like, they entered that FAU Final Four game, if I'm remembering correctly, where opponents had shot 17% from three against them in the NCAA tournament. That is not going to happen a second year in a row. But but the point is, like, this is a top-five defense. Mm-hmm. They've been... So this is the last four years under Dutcher, 2020 to now. 10th, 21st, 2nd, 4th. All mm-hmm. with Mountain West-level athletes. It's not like he's getting the cream of the crop. And I understand, like... If you could pick one of the places you wanted to live in, San, in like the world, and you had a car and whatnot, San Diego is pretty high up on that list. Nice city. Mm. So, like, if you're a California kid with nothing better to do, you and you've been overlooked by USC and UCLA, San Diego State's a pretty good backup choice. But the point still stands that he's doing this with like relatively low talent compared to everyone else, and so 
Yeah, I mean, we saw it in person. It's a team that is always hard as hell to score on in the paint against. Very switchable. Very Really good at stringing out possessions forever. I mean, if they and Virginia played each other, I think the world might cave in on itself, uh, which is not something we want. Mm. Um, really good at protecting the boards. They, they're just so sound fundamentally on defense. And it does make it a bit more infuriating when you watch them play an offensive possession and you wonder if these players have ever attempted a shot in a gym before. Uh, but somehow, like, they always seem to find buckets at the right time. Mm. Always very good at offensive rebounding. I got to find the video, and I think it's from Eric Shapiro. Mm. But it's the video of San Diego State's offensive rebounding strategy. And I did not, it does not really hit you in person that you can do this. But offensive rebounding strategy for missed free throws, which I guess I suppose says something about what their coach thought of the shooters they had at the line. Mm. Um, but the, they, they, implemented i think it was three or four different moves or Mm. like you know screens basically on missed free throws and that was how they got so many rebounds against fau to stay in that game when Mm. they clearly were cold from the field that is great coaching and so you look at them on the surface and you look at them like walk off the sideline and what you see is not unlike i would say like tennessee or uva or even like a lesser Houston, very buff dudes who have large muscles who cannot shoot a basketball, mm-hmm. but are absolutely disgusting to try and score against. Mm-hmm. And for better or for worse, they have had an identity for 20 years now. I mean, it makes total sense Kawhi was formed there. It makes total sense of like some of the guys they're going to try and send on to the next level, or like Keisha Johnson, who's going to try and make his name at Arizona further. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the way that they coach defense. It's Hmm. truly different than just about anyone else out there and is utterly brutal uh, to both play against and honestly watch if you're at home. So, Hmm. But I don't know. I I like these guys a lot. Really happy they made that run and excited to see what they do uh, going forward. And also, uh, God bless whatever player it was, I feel like it was Trammell who said in their postgame against Alabama, that they made their entire scouting report based on Tennessee beating Alabama. Which, you know, shout out to you. That was very kind of you to do that. Because uh, it worked twice. Yeah. Will Warren, what can the good folks check out from you over on statsbywill.substack.com today or in the rest of this week? Well, I'm a little low on content at the moment, to be honest. It's a, it's the the dullest part of the off season, which is mm. uh, NBA draft week. No show, no disrespect to the draft, which I love, wow. but as somebody who doesn't do draft coverage, it's just kind of like, I don't really have anything to do at the moment. So uh, I'm answering anybody's questions they have this week. If you got a question about anything, I will attempt to provide an answer. Uh, in the coming weeks, I do have a study on uh, short mid range jumpers versus floaters. If one is better than the other or not in the, Currently, it's looking like they're both basically the exact same quality, which, again, funny because every coach tells you to shoot off of two feet versus one. But I've gone down the rabbit hole so much that I've now implemented myself in the study. Uh, I have been going outside to the court I have in my backyard, planning on going out to a couple of other courts and taking 110-foot jumpers and 110-foot floaters and just taking the data and seeing how Hmm. I, a bad basketball player, shoot these. Okay. There you go. I like it. Will Warren. Thank you as always, my friend. Go subscribe. Stats by Will.
www.substack.com. Type your email, become a subscriber. That easy, that simple, because there's a lot of teams. And you got to, like McNeese State, they have the most transfer points going into next year. Mm-hmm. LSU, teams like that. They're St. John's. It's probably going to be good this year. You need to be up to date on what's going on and to do that because there's going to be a bunch of turnover and some good teams that were never good. Like Clemson might go 22 and 9. You need to understand how Clemson went 22 and 9 going next year in college basketball. Yeah. Will's got you covered. Exactly. You need to understand how Clemson went 22 and 9 but was actually bad. <laughs> That's You're what trying to be so nice. For. You're trying to be nice. All right, there you go. Will Warren, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.